What up, world? Past first point guard and trailblazers reporter Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe. We are now a full week into the YouTube experiment, or maybe experience. It's not an experiment. We're going to keep doing this. So make sure you subscribe. Go to YouTube right now, search for Locked On Blazers, subscribe to the show. What I want to do in today's episode. Let's talk about the Blazers' first preseason game, a loss to the Warriors. I'm not super concerned with the results. I'm not super concerned with pretty much anything that really happened after halftime. Uh, the starters only played, or Damon CJ rather, only played the first uh, two quarters, and it was limited action from the starters uh, down the stretch. So I'm not too concerned with um, with what happened in the game. But I want to I want to talk about what went right, what went wrong. Some some early observations kind of empty the notebook for the first time that we've seen the Blazers play in the Chauncey Billups era. But that's what we'll do to close the show, second and third segments. What I want to do here is talk a little bit about the beginning of the Chauncey Billups era. I was able to go to this game. Uh, hopefully this year I'll be able to go to a whole bunch of games and kind of bring you along with me. That's what I hope this show is. I want to get you a little bit closer to the team you love. And the way that I'm going to do that is I'm going to go and ask the participants of the Portland Trailblazers some questions and kind of uh, glean a little insight. So prior to the game, Chauncey Billups and his pregame media availability, I asked him the question that I had been curious about for two weeks. Had he ever coached a, a sporting event as a head coach ever, period, at any level? And his answer, with a gigantic smile, gave a big smile and said, Nope, never, never. Uh, this is maybe not a big surprise, right? He's played in the NBA and he was assistant coach, but Chauncey Phillips has three daughters. Uh, one of them is a high-level soccer player. The other one is a teenager who's just getting into volleyball. He also had like a large AAU program in, in Colorado um, with like several levels of, of AAU basketball. So I figured maybe once in there, like a youth soccer tournament or something, he had pretended to know what he was doing and um, been Chauncey Phillips on the sidelines or coached, you know, a, a random U16 AAU game here and there. Um, which isn't totally uncommon for guys who have their own AAU program, but Billup said no, never, never. Um, his answer was he gave a he legitimately gave a big smile, like he he knew. And I asked him if he was going to be nervous, uh, and he said he didn't think he'd be nervous because so much of his sort of of his playing career and all this had sort of um, had prepared him for this. Also, it's preseason; it's not the same level of nerves. But this was his first time in the big chair at any level. He never even coached. He, listen. I've coached some youth soccer games. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't have a shiny resume, but prior to tonight, more head coaching experience than uh, than uh, Chauncey Billups. Uh, he was pretty interesting about this. Uh, a couple things. One, he said the first call he got this morning was at 7 a.m. His phone rings. He got a call from Ty Lue. Really good friend. Worked on Ty Lue's staff last year with the Los Angeles Clippers. And when the phone rings at 7 a.m., See the Tyron Lou. The first thing Chauncey Billups thought was, "Uh oh, why is Ty up so early? He never gets up this early." But it was Ty Lou wishing him luck. He he too knew this was Chauncey's first chance to sit in the big chair, first chance to be a head coach, um, and uh, and he wanted to wish him luck. He said, "You know, our game starts thirty minutes after yours, so I'll be watching the first thirty minutes of your game. You know, you you go uh, go be great um and billups said that helps helps calm him down a little bit and he said he 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 said he he didn't think he'd be nervous but he did admit that uh preseason would be an important sort of learning experience for the coaching staff and i think um to me that was the takeaway because billups sounds like a coach he has a good way of explaining his basketball thoughts um 
a really sharp basketball mind and a compelling, you know, just interview subject, right? When you talk to him, you're like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with the program. Tell me more. So, um, you know, I think there's a general idea that like, he's going to just go ahead and kick ass as a head coach, but there is, and he might like, he very well might go ahead and kick ass as a head coach, but there's more to it than that. And he talks about how this preseason will be sort of about getting it down for the coaching staff as well, how they communicate on the sidelines, how they do things, how not only do they communicate to the players on the court, but how they communicate amongst each other and sort of get their plan in motion and rolling and, and all those things. He said that they have very clearly defined roles on the bench. I hope to dig in with more on that in the future with him and with the assistant coaches on what the sort of defined roles might be. But he said they have clearly defined roles but then putting those roles into the process would be kind of the things that that he needs to that they need to do and like preseason will be reps for the coaching staff i think that's um it maybe sounds obvious when you say it now but it's not something that i had totally considered i certainly considered first year head coach growing pains all those things but the the sort of um importance of in games that don't matter there's still the same reps for coaches like and and particularly when you take out the main guys the coaches even with the with the end of the bench in there, they're getting their reps and sort of how they, how they, how a play call goes from the bench to the court, um, what they want to do in huddles, what their emphasis are, all the, all those things like that. Uh, I also asked Steve Kerr, who made the transition from you know longtime NBA player, uh, briefly an executive with the Phoenix Suns, and then made that switch to um, switch the head coach of the Warriors. He's pretty successful. <laughs> pretty successful as a, in his first year as a head coach um pretty good basketball team too but you know he he took a team that was pretty darn good and turned them into a juggernaut like immediately and i asked him kind of what um what that most challenging transition would be and what uh for him what the what the sort of hardest part of year one of coaching was and he said time you always think you have more time and and, and particularly that first year of coaching you've got your notebook out and you've got six, eight, 12 things you want to get to. And then you kind of get to the first day of the season and you're looking, oh, oh no, there's 10 more things on the list. Um, I thought that was interesting because um, he talked about there's just so little coaching, coaching, like true coaching time in the NBA. And and um, I read a story today in Mark Stein's Substack uh, about how like two days are kind of have gone by the wayside in the league and like fewer and fewer teams are practicing twice a day in preseason when it used to be like a, a totally normal thing. And I think here are the Blazers. Again, they're, they're a one a day team now. Um, and you know, they're not, they're not coming out and playing hard for, um, four hours each day during, during uh, preseason or during training camp. They didn't last week. So it's, they're just, there is a really finite amount of time here for Billups. And I think that is, um, that'll be a challenge for him. Uh, you know, he's got veterans like, you know, Scott Brooks on the staff has, has done this before and that should, that should really help him. And obviously Roy Rogers has, has been assistant coach in the league for a long time. And, uh, and, and they've got, um, you know, they, they should be okay. But I think preseason for Billups is really important. And I don't, um, not that maybe you, dear listener, were overlooking it or not even maybe that I, that I was overlooking it, but hearing Chauncey talk about it and say, you know, I, this is for me, this is my first time I'm ready to go. Um, it, it kind of drove home that point that, uh, you know, this is the preseason has real value for the Blazers coaching staff for a first year coaching staff has real, real, real value. Um, not just like seeing what they get out of, out of, um, their players, right? Like that's going to be valuable (laughs) the same way it could be for any staff, but seeing, um, how they go about that. And that's sort of the process I think is going to be really important for them. Um, it's, 
they have a weird week. Like they play Monday and then they have a week off and they play again next Monday is the next preseason game. And then they play three games in five days next week. Like it's just a super bizarre. So in some ways I think this is helpful to have that first, um, that first preseason game right now. And then a whole week to, uh, to watch film and they'll get a day off or two in there, but like a whole week to, to watch film, to talk about it, to get back out of the practice court, to add new stuff and all those things. Like, I, I think, um, I think this is a weird setup, but it's good because, um, it's a, it's a weird schedule, but it's going to be good for the Blazers. It's going to be good for a first-year coaching staff. It's going to have real value for the, for the Billups group, uh, because he's, he's going to figure it out. Like he, he Dude played forever in the league. Uh, I t- I asked him about how you know how he when he was a player approached preseason. He said when he got a little older, you know he they played eight preseason games back then. They've really cut back the they've cut it back down to four. Um, and eight was obviously too many. He said he'd play six usually, and he wouldn't play full six games except early in his career when if he got in the game he'd go hard as hell at the whole time. But you kind of learn to pare it back and figure out how much how much you give and sort of what you ramp up and how you do it. Um, like he's he's all is to say he's done this before. He knows he knows how it works. But um, sitting in the big chair as he did for the very first time when the Blazers lost to the Warriors on Monday evening. It's different. It's different. Let's talk about what we saw in sort of in, in Billups' first first seat in the big chair. Not so much for Billups, uh, you know, we'll get there. But I want to talk about uh, what we saw from the team. What we saw from Anthony Simons, who was really good. What we saw from Nazir Little, who was not very good. Uh, what we saw on defense, a little bit of digging into the rotations and some other news and notes from, or mostly notes, from the notebook. Emptying the notebook a little bit. That's what we'll do in the second and third segments. But first, let's talk a little bit about DirecTV. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings you your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports and movies and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Today's show is also brought to you by, by Shopify. Listen, Shopify is more than a store. Let's you connect with your customers, drive sales, and manage your day-to-day. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business. So upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Doesn't that sound nice? Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. Shopify powers over 1.7 million businesses from first sale to full scale. That's that's the scaling of endless possibility. Listen, you can reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook and Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more all over your socials. You'll be able to gain insight as you grow with detailed reporting of conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. More than a store, Shopify grows with you. This is possibility powered by Shopify. So go to shopify.com slash locked on MBA. It's all lowercase for a free 14 day trial to get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash locked 
on NBA right now. Shopify.com slash locked on NBA. All right. So we talked about Chauncey Billups day one and the coaching staff. I wanted to lead with that um, because it was the sort of the first thing that happened to me in the building. You know, I, I get there and and and, uh, and go through pregame interviews, which are, are generally not particularly fruitful. But this one, it turned out to be relatively fruitful, um, a bit of a made me kind of think about what I was about to watch was um, new for everybody, I think was kind of the theme of this. It's just a, it's a new system and it's a new offense, new defense, new coaching staff. Um, hell, new protocols in the building, like um, new. Let me say this before we get deep into the um, into the sort of the what happened in the game, because I want to talk about what happened in the game. The Blazers lost. They lost big. Uh, no box scores today. Uh, we'll, when the games matter, I promise I'll, I'll recap them. Exhibition games where Damon CJ only played two quarters. We're not getting the full recap. I'll give you, the, I'm going to give you the most important news and notes. But before we get the most important news and notes, I love being back in the building. I loved it. I loved it. I love, I loved in a way that being back for the playoffs did not bring me the same amount of joy. Being back for this and sitting on press row in my typical seat felt right and i and i i loved it so let me just say that i was happy i was happy to be back in the building uh, i talk a lot about joy on this podcast that brought me that brought me a great deal of joy i'm i'm happy to be back uh covering this team uh and and telling you about it so let me do that <laughs> let's get to the part where i tell you about the team uh let's start with the good stuff Anthony simons good really good uh they gave him a ton of opportunities to be the initiator uh, whether you want to call that the point guard or whether you want to call that the offensive initiator or the lead guard or the primary ball handler, whatever you, whatever word you want to use. Um, he looked good as the initiator. He looked, he, he had, um, he looked to be in control. The thing that I worry most with Simons is not his, his passing ability. Like I think he can make uh, relatively basic reads. I think he's, um, you know, there was a, a play where CJ just, uh, he set up CJ to go um, to, to to get a pin down from Nurk. CJ rejected the screen and went back door wide open and made the pass. I'm not worried about that. Dude, dudes can play basketball. It's the ball handling and it's the getting to his spots and being able to get into stuff. And then it's be able to make high level reads. Uh, today wasn't the day that Anthony Simons turned into Chris Paul. It wasn't the day that he turned into Steve Nash. He was a Magic Johnson, but he was good as a primary facilitator and it allows them to do so much. Like, there are going to be games when a pressure defender comes into Ant's space and his his ball handling and his strength gets tested away from the rim. Like that's that's going to happen this year, and, and then he'll build from there. Uh, he didn't get a ton of that like deep deep on ball pressure, but he also didn't he didn't shy away from just like getting the ball pointing pointing where guys need to be and getting them set up a lot of the offense seems to be a lot of read and react stuff. Like there seems to be options. Like if I'm here, uh, you can you know, one of two guys on the wing can set a screen or you can cut here and there, like um, just a bunch of kind of the way the league works now where every, if the ball is in one spot, you have options and, and uh, Nurk and uh, Ant did a really nice job of, um, of, of seeing those options, making the right play. Um, you know, he finished with 10 points and six assists. Uh, the, the box score is, is, is 
tells you the story because he had no turnovers and six assists and he looked really good. But just like the the confidence in getting guys, pointing where guys need to go, and then the value of having Ant on the ball and putting Damian Lillard in the corner. You know what you do when you put Damian Lillard in the corner? You you have a defender that is locked into the corner. They are not leaving Damian Lamont Ali Lillard in the corner, which opens up other actions on the opposite side of the ball. If Dame's on the strong side, you know that guy's staying. If Dame's on the weak side, you know that guy's staying. Like he's just, he is parked there and you know it. Uh, and the Blazers did a good job taking advantage of that uh, with Norm on the court early. And it was Norm Ant and uh, Norm Ant and Dame for a little bit there. And I, I thought that, I thought those, that action looked nice. I thought uh, they did a good job leveraging that to get guys inside, uh, both with Cody Zeller and with, uh, Larry Nance Jr. and uh, and Yusuf Nurkic, like Ant, um, you know, I'm not uh, I'm not like trying to get too far out over my skis, but the possibilities I saw the possibilities there, like Ant's ability to Ant's just confidence and um, and competence as a passer, making a variety of smart reads, not like crazy high level passes, but a variety of smart reads. It wasn't one pass every single time. There was a little uh, bounce pass and there was a little pocket pass. There was backdoor feeds. There was nice, just little, you know, Damon Lord runs across the um, gets two screens and comes across the sort of uh, formation, comes across the set and and Ant just hits him on time on target it's a simple easy pass but that that's the job right is to make dame's life easier and having ant be able to make dame's life easier is going to open up this offense like ant was ant really um he showed you know not everything he could be or whatever but he showed that possibilities he really opened up the 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 chances of him being a primary ball handler and being pretty good at it, if he can continue to be that way, you saw, um, you saw some of what it can be. I mean, it wasn't there was some, there was some sloppiness and weirdness on offense with him in the game. There's some sloppiness and weirdness with him on offense out with him out of the game. But um, in general, this was a really, really good and really promising Ant night. And I think there's reasons to feel feel good about what you saw from old Mister Simons. On the other side. Nazir Little wasn't good. It wasn't good. Uh, he, outside of the box score, like look at the box score and, and and it tells the story, right? Like he didn't he didn't shoot well, missed his first seven shots. When he finally made one, it was like a late clock fadeaway, difficult shot that you kind of just have to shoot and you happen to swish it. Nice shot from, you know, 17 feet down, down on the left baseline. But it was the decision-making for Nas. I think that was more of the problem for me was it wasn't necessarily, you know, like I said, forget the box score. <laughs> I don't want to read it. Um, but like it was, um, he just the decision-making he, he drove into the teeth of the defense. He got ripped and he got ripped behind half court, just like clean open rip in the, in the middle of the, like at the opposite three point line by Avery Bradley for a quick layup. Uh, he, you know, he, there was a couple times where he drove into the paint once he got swatted, once he traveled because he just, he got too deep into the paint with no plan. And it's like, uh, all these other dudes are really good. Like Nas, I'm not, I'm not super worried about this, but this is sort of my concern with him is that, um, I don't, he just hasn't had a lot of reps and he might be trying to, um, you know, he, he doesn't, he maybe doesn't know what he's good at. Like too many dribbles, too many dribbles. Like if it, let's, let's put a, let's put a pin on it. Um, he's not a guy who needs to be shooting after four or five dribbles. He doesn't need to hezzy and, and, um, and, you know, and cross cross and like, and it size a guy up and then get into his moves. Like he needs to attack quickly. He needs to shoot quickly and make quicker decisions. And then he, 
if he makes those quicker decisions, then he needs to make that secondary decision. And it seemed like he was caught between, okay, I'm going to size this guy up and go, and I'm definitely going to shoot and he'd get caught. Or he's makes that quick decision. He gets in too deep. And it's like, I, he just doesn't see that next layer or everyone knows that he's trying to, you know, get to his right hand and do something. Um, he needs, he needs to add a little in-between game. He needs to add a little more wiggle. Um, and he just needs to be smarter. I, this was, if nothing else, this was just bad, poor decision-making in, in the sort of the run of play, poor decision-making. Um, and I think uh, that was probably the takeaways. Uh, Ant and Nas are the Blazers' two most recent first-round picks, and they're biggest swing players. Um, you know what you're going to get from Dame. I didn't even think Dame played well, and then he went nuts and finished with 19 in the first half. You know, he played 16 minutes in the first half and just was like, oh, well, I, I thought he kind of looked at the kind of kind of looked off and then he hit five of eight threes because the dude is just a he's just a monster. CJ McCollum, he was really bad early, a uh, bad shot early, airballed a, or bricked a, a corner three, missed a layup, had some turnovers like ugh, just bad start. And then when he got cooking, like when he got his rhythm, he looked really good and he was, um, you know, strong with the strong in the paint, strong. Um, uh, getting a shot up from mid-range, taking threes. He dropped Avery Bradley in a crossover. I think Avery Bradley maybe stepped on his foot. Like, those two dudes I'm not worried about. Nurk looked good, not worried about him. Norm, uh, more than him a second, he left the game with a minor injury. Like, I'm not worried about him. Robert Covington, great role player, not worried about him. He, like, the swing players are Nas and Ant. Ant took that step where he looks like he's going to be a really valuable part of this plan. Nas looks like he's a guy who still try needs to figure out sort of what what and how he's going to do his thing on this on this particular roster. Um, they're the two biggest swing players. The Blazers can be good if those guys don't take a step forward. They cannot be great without those two gentlemen uh, coming a long way. And and Ant Ant showed showed the direction he's headed uh and Nas we can just chalk this up to game one for now he didn't look good we can chalk it up to game one uh let's let a little bit of news before we get to the third segment uh Norman Powell left in the third quarter with a right hip what the Blazers called right hip discomfort he he he, uh drove and scored and then immediately was just like kind of slowly limping back to the bench the Warriors called a timeout and he just went straight back to the locker room didn't return uh after the game Chauncey Billups said that it kind of just um it, it, it was just the thing that was bothering him. It was bothering him a little before the game, and then um, it kind of flared up again in that play, and he decided not to push it. Uh, Billups did not sound concerned at all. Uh, Cody Zeller, in his first game as a Blazer, he was rewarded with a broken nose. Bummer, man. <laughs> um, uh, Andre Guadalla went up for uh, a layup around the rim, and he came back down, and as he came back down, just kind of freak accident after the ball went in, uh, freak moment after the ball went in, he just clocked Cody Zeller right in the face with like a forearm elbow action and Zeller knew right away, he started bleeding, kind of, um, you know, just bent over and stood there, looked at the bench, like, I guess you got to call the timeout because my nose is broke. And then he left, uh, Billups, conf- he didn't have it confirmed, but he's like, I'm pretty sure he broke his nose is what he said when I asked uh, post game. So you know, a broken nose could maybe keep you out for a little while, but that's it's it's a mask thing. So welcome to Cody Zeller wearing a mask. The Blazers will now have two guys with him and Rocco wearing a mask. Norm doesn't sound like it's serious. Um, just sounds like it's a, a thing that's, you know, bumps and bruises that are bothering him. So two minor, that's two minor little uh, pieces of news. Uh, what I want to do to talk about in the show, or to close the show here, rather, in the third segment, is uh, John Spilip said, don't read too much into the rotations unless you're bored. That was a direct quote from the Blazers coach out of the game. I'm not bored. I love this. I'm still going to read into it. Sorry, Chauncey. 
That's what we'll do in the in the uh, third segment. I want to close the show, talk a little about uh, Blazers rotations and talking about what I saw from the Blazers defense and and what Damian Lord said about the Blazers defense uh, after after game one of preseason. But before we do that, let's talk about BetOnline.ag. Listen, it's the number one spot to bet on all pro and college football, which is great because pro and college football season are in full swing. It's Monday night Monday night football this evening. I'm recording this on a Monday evening, October fourth, but. You're not too far away from football being back. Thursday night NFL action, Friday night college football, Saturday college football, all day long Sunday, and then again on Monday, a weekend chock full of football. So if you want to bet on all those games, you'll find updated odds, props on all the games, and some contests, because BetOnline is the number one source source for everything football. So head on over to betonline.ag and and when you sign up, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code LOCKEDON. That is promo code LOCKEDON for 50% or for a 50% welcome bonus. They'll match your first deposit up to 50%. Not just football, there's basketball and boxing and there's your favorite casino games. Everything you could want is betonline.ag where the game starts. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listening to Locked on Blazers. We talked about Chauncey Billups' first night in the big chair. We talked about Ant and Nas and gave you a little injury updates on Norman Powell and Cody Zeller. Now let's empty the notebook a little bit. Uh, a couple things. The rotations. This is going to matter. And I think, I think, even though Chauncey Billups doesn't want to tell you or doesn't want me to read too much into it, he, first of all, he can't stop me. <laughs> and second of all, I think he tipped his, uh, tipped his hand or whatever. Like, I think we saw it. I think we, like, we kind of know, if you've been listening to this podcast, um, you know that I've, I kind of have pegged the nine guys I think are there, um, are in the rotation. If you haven't been listening to this podcast, welcome. I'm so happy to have you. What a wonderful time to jump on board. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube. If you're subscribed on YouTube, we're also available wherever you get podcasts. In any case, the starters were you'd expect. Dame, CJ, Norm, Rocco, and Nurk. The first guy off the bench at the 620 mark of the first quarter. Nasir Little, your sixth man. Uh, he came in for CJ. That's a t- that's like a somewhat typical sub of of various times, and the, the, the like. CJ being the first sub is is pretty typical over the last five years. Uh, then the next three guys came in all in together at about nine minutes in the quarter, with like with just over three minutes left. You got Anthony Simons, you got Larry Nance Jr., you got Cody Zeller. Those are your top nine. Uh, Tony Snell not available, has not participated. He's dealing with a foot issue, has not participated in uh, in on court stuff during during training camp, and was not available for tonight's game. But even if he was, those are your top nine right there. Your normal starters, and then Nas Ant. Larry and Cody Zeller. It doesn't take a brain genius to, f- to figure that one out. I'm not trying to claim that I know anything, but that's that's what's that is what's going on here. Um, so uh, that that was like your your first sub pattern. I think it's going to look something similar than that. Uh, coming out in the second quarter, it was CJ plus the bench. Uh, I think they'll play around a little bit. Then they brought CJ out, and it was Dame plus the bench, and 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 then. Uh, since CJ played a bunch, he didn't come back and, and Ben McLemore got a cameo late in the first half and he played real, real first half minutes, uh, as the 10th guy off the bench. I kind of, Ben McLemore is the 10th guy right now. That makes sense. But on a typical night, I don't think he would, um, I don't think you would have, uh, CJ plus bench and Dame plus bench units. Like I think the first sub pattern was pretty normal. Nas. And then that, that bench trio of Ant, uh, Cody Zeller and, and Larry Nance Jr., 
that's your nine man rotation. And then from there, I think you can kind of throw the stuff out, but I think we saw it. Like, I think that's what it's going to look like in the regular season. The, the groupings might change a little bit, but I think that's, that's about right. Um, the minutes distribution, if you just look at the first half are kind of wonky because CJ didn't come back in. Uh, so it's not, it's not a perfect comparison, but I kind of, I kind of think that's it. <laughs> Cody Zeller, or Cody Zeller. Chauncey Phillips doesn't want me to, le- to read too much into it, but I already have. I, I, I wrote, immediately wrote it down in my notebook as it was happening. So uh, too late, Chauncey. I apologize. Uh, the other kind of big thing in this is that the Blazers defense looked like a work in progress. And uh, Billups admitted that, but he wasn't too negative on it. Uh, Dame talked about it um, in his post game, just saying that like, he likes it and they've got rules and the rules say if I, when the ball's here and we help here, you, you know, you on the weak side have, or you on the backside have to pull over. Um, and I think the communication was just bad. Um, they're, the Blazers are being more aggressive. So when you bring, what they're doing is like, they're bringing a guy up to the level of the screen. So when you, when there's a pick and roll, you set a screen, the big man's coming up. When you bring the big man up, the, uh, other guys have to pinch in. They have to just cover more of the lane. And the Blazers were just ag- aggressively rotating. Like the defensive rotations were more aggressive. They were early than we've seen um they were they were coming to load up to the ball and the show bodies to the ball and then the ball would swing and when it swung that was the problem i thought the first rotations guys kind of seemed like they were in the right spot for the most part there's a couple little breakdowns there but for the most part it's like oh okay that's this is it they're like they're connected and the ball would swing and they would totally lose that connection um and it was, you know, this is my concern with this group is not that, um, is that they're not, it's like the scheme, a different scheme can help and they can get better with a new scheme, but that some of their problems are just the connectedness. Some of the communication It's just like you, when the ball moves, you got to, one guy rotates out and then the ball goes here. Then a third guy rotates out. You got to help the helper, like an X out, which is like, if your guy is on the inside, you chase the guy in the three point line and then someone has to get down to your man and someone, you know, it's, it's all, it's all connected and all those things. I asked Dame if he thought if I thought if he thought that that was more scheme or more communication, and he kind of seemed to say that it, like communication is important, but a lot of their issues right now are just getting the scheme dialed. Like they know what to do, but this is their first real game, and they just got to dial it in. And I, I like I tend to trust Dame when he talks, but like I, that that sounds right to me that this wasn't an issue of them not talking or whatever. Um, or like lack of effort and that's nonsense this was just like them not exactly being in their not not as as tight on where they're supposed to be um they, they were they were clearly out of place a couple times the warriors took 70 69 threes in this game like they were moving the ball and they were just bombing away from three uh the warriors played fast which made it hard but there were just some times in the half court where it was clear like th- by the second pass the warriors made that the blazers were in like an unescapable scramble and they were never going to get back and recover dame talked about how there's been times in camp where they've looked really good doing it and he thinks they can get there but they just need enough reps and need enough chances to watch film of them playing a real opponent to kind of get there and that that's to me, I'm with it. Like I'm, I'm with Dame on this one. Um, I won't read too much in the defense. I will say it didn't look good. Um, they gave up some open threes. They they gave up some open threes that uh, Steph Curry missed early and Avery Bradley missed early. And then they gave up some threes late when, when it was a whole different crew that I'm not even too worried about. Um, other news and notes before we get out of here, two of the, um, the Blazers have four players who are competing for the 14th roster spot. Guards Dennis Smith Jr. and Quinn Cook and big men Marquise Chris and uh, Patrick Patterson, Pat Pat, Two Pat. Um, tonight, Dennis Smith Jr. and Marquise Chris played and Two Pat, Patrick Patterson and Quinn Cook did not. 
I don't read much into that. Uh, you know, I, I've heard sort of the, the whispers from camp that Dennis Smith Jr. has looked good, um, but I don't think that means much. Um, and quite frankly, I think Patrick Patterson could play zero minutes in preseason and make the team because he's making the team on the strength of the resume and who he is. Uh, he's, you know, played a decade in the league. Um, he's been dependable. Uh, he's, you know, played played with or for Chauncey Billups in, in, with the Clippers last year. Like, they, they the Blazers know they're getting. He doesn't need to play. Um you know, I get, I would guess just like based on sort of the whispers I've heard and uh, who knows if, if they're, um, you know, I trust the people who I'm asking, but like uh, these things are fluid. Um, the Dennis Smith Juniors look good. So I would assume that he's ahead of, um, had a little bit ahead of Quinn Cook, but I don't think that I wouldn't put too much into that. And Marquise Chris, he didn't, he didn't look great, but he's, um, you know, one game in and, and playing with, with the sort of end of the bench. Um, it is, uh, there's not much to read into it. So I, I don't think we have clarity there. Um, if I had to, if I, so if I handicapped it early that I would choose Marquise Chris. If I had to pick now, I'd say it'll that maybe Dennis Smith Jr. has a lead, but like, I, I can't rule out Patrick Patterson, like a, a, a vet who fills their need for another big man. He's there. He, like I said, he could play zero minutes in this, in, in preseason. And, and, it, and I would still say you have to, he, he deserves consideration. Like I would, I would still throw, throw him in there. Uh, one more note, Greg Brown Jr. Or Greg Brown, the third rather, uh, threw down a uh, alley-oop dunk and it was fun. And Greg Brown's not going to play this year, but in the moments that he does play, he's always going to be fun. Um, it's just, it's undeniable. The dude has incredible hops. It's uh it's a joy. Uh, Weird, weird schedule, like I mentioned, like a long time to kind of pour into this one and pour over the film on this one and, and dissect it and, and then get bored of it and, and hit and, and practice again. Please just don't play again till next Monday. Um, full, like six full days in between games, seven full days in between games, depending how you want to slice it. Uh, that's, it's a long time. Uh, so we're not going to have, you know, game recaps, but next week, a whole bunch of preseason games. So the end of this week, we'll have an interview with Casey Holdall. We'll have a, a another player preview in our countdown to training camp, which we're going to have to speed up to get in here. So uh, be on the lookout for maybe a slight change in format in that one. We'll also do a, uh, a mailbag episode. I'm going to record that one on Tuesday night and post it on uh, post it on Wednesday. So if you are listening to this and it's before October 5th at like, 8 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, send me send me your questions at Mike G Rich on Twitter or uh, at locked on Bla- or locked on Blazers Pod at gmail.com is the email address. Uh, we do a mailbag every week and it's a ton of fun. So if you're a new listener, we'd love to have you get involved. Uh, that's what we got this week. Do me a favor, like I've been saying at the end of all these shows, come back and listen to more shows and subscribe on YouTube. Um, we're up over 300 subscribers in our first week. I'm super excited about that. Let's push to a thousand. Let's triple this thing. Let's 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 get up to 400, 500, 600. Let's get to a thousand. Like let's. I'm aiming high. Uh, if you haven't subscribed and you're listening to this podcast, do me a favor. You're holding your phone in your hand. Go to YouTube and and subscribe to Locked On Blazers. Uh, it'll help me. It'll help grow the show, and I and I'll be appreciative of it. Uh, also tell your friends about this podcast. It's available wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Locked On Blazers and we'll be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.